Welcome to the Countryside Alliance's new series of podcasts. In each episode, we'll be speaking to a big figure from the countryside. We'll find out what makes them tick, what they love about the British countryside, and crucially, what they think the future holds for our rural way of life. This week, your host is me, Tim Bonner, Chief Executive of the Alliance. Last year, I went to interview Robin Page for a magazine feature on his seminal book, The Decline of an English Village, which has been republished and updated 45 years after it first saw the light of day. Robin has carefully cultivated his status as England's revolting peasant, and our rambling discussion was too good to confine to my iPhone. The interview took place in Robin's kitchen in the farmhouse his grandparents lived in. Apologies for the ticking of the grandfather clock and the occasional colourful language, but I hope you enjoy our wonder around rural issues. Those of you who know Robin will not be surprised that we started with one of his many bête noire, the BBC. Is Country File a good programme? No, in my opinion, it's awful. Last night's programme, there were so many things that should and could have been done better. I just don't get it. But is is the point a bit? I don't play just play devil's advocate. Is the point a bit that that we we shouldn't get it? Because if we get it, then it's the you know, the, the the seven million people who watch it wouldn't. Because um, yeah, you know, it's it is incredible. It's light touch. I mean, my my daughter's twelve now. She used to love it when she was eight and nine. She's she's grown out of it. Now. Yes, <laughs> you know, it's, yes, but it's that sort of well, thing. it's true. But, but yeah, it, as well as it's not negative. Yeah, it's in the fact that it's even even yeah. getting people to think about the issues, even in the most you know, light touch, you know, um, frustrating way. Is that is there not something in that that's helpful? Uh, well, I don't think so. Uh, you know, because they all think hedgehogs snuggle up with badgers every night. So no, it's not helpful at all. It, it is children's television. Wildlife wallpaper. It goes back really to. Punk Packham and all that sort of stuff, and and it is like last night. You didn't see it, or you did no, see, I it. see it. Yeah, no. yeah, don't see it. <laughs> uh, there was a big bit about seals and salmon. I was told there are more seals up there than there have been for a thousand years. Is the biggest issue with salmon farming seals? No, it isn't. So no, it's, a, it's sea lice and chemicals. Absolutely, absolutely. But they didn't touch upon it. It gets complicated, doesn't it? You can't do complicated. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so the biggest issue that they should have done, they didn't touch. And when I see Bill Lyons the week after next, I will ask him why. I watched one spring watch, a bit about um, curlews. And it was a film that has been on Twitter. And so it's friends of of Mary Caldwell, who I think is a thoroughly good egg, Mm. saying all the right things in her book, but that that would never get on the on Country Farm. And so they had this section of film and it included putting a an electric fence around curlew nests to stop badgers and foxes getting them. I don't know if you saw that. I've heard about that. I haven't seen that, but I've heard a lot about it, yeah. And then, nothing about the avian predators um, that the presenter of of Springwatch had just had uh, saved and protected, which, how could they do that? Editorial judgment was missing. And that wider point about the electric fence is ghetto ghettoization. Is that a word? 
I don't know. It's like the RSPB thing, isn't it? When you see these massive fences, they're building around, building around all the, all their reserves now. Yes. Yeah, so you're creating, but you, if there's like there's a honeypot element, in it, but you're just pushing the predation, you're pushing the issues somewhere else, aren't you? Yes. So, um, and what ordinary landowner can afford Ford. to put fences like that round? You, you can't. You've got to go a different way. And the RSPB is too cowardly to actually go the right way. Well, it does go the right way, but, but it tries to sweep it under the carpet. Does it quietly? But on the book, Robin. Um, yes. As I've yeah, we won't so talk about Packham anymore. Look then. at him, he's in there. We're trying, but, trying to, because you know, I don't know I did it in the book because well, it's the same issues. It's just it's where you're approaching them from, isn't it? Um, yes. But I um because I had read it years and years ago. Obviously not 45 years ago. Yes. That yeah. Was, yeah, that'd have been a bit little then. Do you think, uh, the first question I had really was about Barton itself. Do you think Barton's a little bit atypical? Do you think you've been a bit unlucky because because the M11 and because you're so close to Cambridge? I drove up through, you know, through from us. I actually dropped off a bloody fly strike. You see, I never was a good sheep farm. I lost a decent lamb, so I dropped that off at the kennels on the way up and came up through Langley and Essex and Cambridgeshire and through lots of villages, um, you know, uh, which you know, would be like Barton, but they probably escaped some of what you've got. I think I think they've escaped a little, but not much, because people commute such a, a very large distances these days, yeah. and so we've got the gentrification yeah, of villages, and we've got the commuterisation of villages, and and we've got the nonsensical development of towns where they all have to have their science parks and business parks. And so they then have to generate a commuter belt and people have to move within commuter distance of that. There is a, a move to de-urbanise, which is an awful um, uh, word, uh, and that is so that uh, business and whether it is engineering, computer, paper shuffling, uh, disperses. And so you can then find a, a job in your village or you can find a job in another village you can move to which stops all this commuting. But that will be a slow job because planning around Cambridge, which does make us very unlucky, yeah. is dictated by not planning but land ownership. And so the land ownership here... Uh, where the worst developments are taken, taking place. The university, individual colleges, uh, one big farmer who will be nameless, and the Ministry of Defence, or previous Ministry at Land. Yeah. And so, as I say in the book, the most outrageous place is Water Beach. Get it? Fenspeak, Water Beach. Um, only the thickest would would put thousands of houses there. And several years ago, as I say in the book, um, I walked round it with the camp commander, who was very, very excited because he'd got barn owls back, he'd got great crested newts, and of course, if you want to be taken seriously, you have to have a great crested newt somewhere. <laughs> Um, what interests me is that red squirrels have the same degree um, of protection as great crested newts, but
but I've never heard of development being stopped because of red That's squirrels. Um, but I've heard of lots being stopped because of great crested newts. Uh, don't get it. And in the Lake District, there have been bogs that have been cleared of great of red squirrels because of some little plant, and uh, they could have had the red squirrels and the little plant. And so uh, I think there are lots of villages around Cheshire, Essex, I'm you name I'm it. A, I'm a Hampshire boy, yeah. I'm People have got wheels, and I think it is a... A disease is is striking at the heart of every village. Realistically, we know, you know there is a, that depopulation of the countryside itself, not the yeah you know, the village and the dormitory village. But yes, you just don't see people <laughs> because when you were a boy, you know the people were working in the fields and the rest of it. Now we have that. I don't know if you have, but we got land holding pattern down with us where a lot of land's been bought for investment, inheritance tax avoidance <laughs> as much as anything. Uh, and then it's on short short term farm business tenancies, and so you've got contractors coming and doing the work, and, and you've you've got almost no one there. It's it's empty. So you know, the, 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 and, the and houses in the village aren't going to be full of people working on the land when no one's working on the land, are they? So no, how and, do we get through that? And 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 the other uh, the the other thing to do with that is because none of the parents work on the land and they don't have any link with the land anymore. When I used to walk to the village school and go up the high street, nearly all the all the houses in the high street had back garden hens. But now, with the wonderful supermarkets uh, and and scrapping retail price maintenance, it's cheaper and easier uh, just to uh, go and get your eggs from Tesco. So, so that link has been has been cut. And when did I last see children playing in an ordinary field? You go back years. You see, I'd say interesting. I say around us, you do a little bit. I mean, and they're not yeah, yeah children. I mean, we still got a school, and it's a village of income. It's very different. And I was yes. just trying to get. I felt step back. I felt, and I may be just being hopeful, but I felt your. Your forty-five year later chapter. There was there was there was shafts of optimism in there. I mean, you're not always mistaken, Robin, for a, for a ray of sunlight. <laughs> I, I, I felt there was quite, you know, from a personal point of view, obviously, that's a nice bit about Lily. But also the, you know, there is stuff happening now, isn't there? And I know you. I mean, you you'd be the person here who's created that through CRT and the rest of it. But you know, more widely, I mean, I thought that there was a definitely more optimism in your 45-year chapter than there was in your 30-year chapter. Your 30-year chapter read like an obituary. Um, I, I, I am heartened with, with what the Countryside Restoration Trust has achieved up to now um, with, the, with the, a lot of hard work. And, and it's interesting if you, if you think that certain other people are now on the wildlife-friendly bandwagon and they've got on the bandwagon by avoiding any mention of the Countryside Restoration Trust, <laughs> although we started it yeah. 26 years ago and got no um, encouragement from anybody and were actually turned down by the RSPB. That's why we started it. And, for instance, we had somebody, you may have heard of him, called Chris Packham, uh, looking for wildlife-friendly farmers in Cambridgeshire last year, and he managed uh, to miss us completely. 
he did find the RSPB's Hope Farm, which those of us who know it well call Hopeless Farm. Uh, and uh, it, it is extraordinary how they have taken every care to ignore a thing started by a load of yokels. The Nature Friendly Farming Network, I believe, I can't get people to answer the questions. I believe it was started by the RSPB. I believe it was funded by the RSPB. And uh, the man who contract farms all their land is chairman of the Nature Friendly Farming Network. Oh, oh, well, oh. what a surprise and a coincidence that is. So there's an unhealthy link between that organisation and the RSPB. And there is an unhealthy link between bunny hugging and country file and the RSPB because they do represent um, a country, country file live conservation. Um, which is a brand of conservation uh, which misleads a huge section uh, of the country into thinking that nature is not red in tooth and claw. Uh, they think uh, it, it is very soft, very gentle and, and it, it's like a communion of loving animals. The lamb won't sleep with the lion, but the hedgehog will sleep with the badger, uh, and the fox will lie down with the lapwing, and, and we know this is all nonsense. And going back to what I said about hens along the high street, uh, people will blame shooting, they will blame gamekeepers for every sin in the world and they will, uh, they will take the date back to 1970 and they will say since 1970 this bird, this animal has decreased and it's because of farmers or organised shooting. I'm sorry, the, the biggest cause of a predator rise in our village was when people stopped keeping backyard hens. Quite simply because in the high street there were a lot of people with shotguns, traps, poisons. There is. <laughs> Foxes were not tolerated, badgers were not tolerated, crows magpies, sparrowhawks, there weren't any buzzards to start with. Where the buzzards have come from is interesting. Um, I, think, I think there have been buzzards given tickets to ride and uh, I think they've bought a ticket and uh, they've travelled to many parts. What was the story? Of when, when did you see your first badger? Was it? It was quite late in your life. Yeah, yeah first fox until I was some mid-teens. Um, never saw them. You you can hardly go for a walk without smelling a fox now, 
and there are badger sets all round. Mm. And when I first um, did research into badgers, which was on the edge of Dartmoor, no, it wasn't. It was in the middle of Dartmoor, uh, on Laughter Hole Farm, with a lady uh, called Ruth Murray, um, who started a badger refuge, and her interest in wildlife started as a girl when she was out hunting and saw wildlife. Uh, and um, she became a, a very nice badger freak. And she told me at the time uh, that some highfalutin scientist uh, had said there were 50,000 badgers in the country. And um, when I spoke off the record, uh, to a, 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 a DEFRA man a few years ago, he said there were well over a million. He said, off the record, I, I took off the record as meaning I can't give his name, but I can give his message. And we all know the badger population is huge, and we all know that, yes... Farmers have not been as careful as they could be. We all know uh, that some would, wouldn't recognise a lapwing if they saw it. But we also know that the drop in the population of lapwings is directly related to the number of foxes, crows, magpies, etc. And the only way you can get them back is by... Uh, of what David Bellamy said years ago is to have a gamekeeper on every farm or every estate. And what did the conservation uh, bodies do to David Bellamy? And what did the BBC do to David Bellamy? They cast him adrift in in a shameful way. And um, David Bellamy's other sin, of course, was joining the referendum party and standing against John Major. That finished his television career. Well, on, on, on that, because we go, um, you know, I, I may be being, because I am an optimist. <laughs> I think I always need people like You'd you, Robin. To, you I, have to be in I, your... I, 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 always, uh, I always need people like you, Robin, because I need to drag me back down to earth. But, I, I mean, I may be stretching it a bit to... to yeah, I, but I think there is a note of optimism in your forty-five year piece. But with your interest in, in long interest in getting out of Europe and the rest of it as well, um, do you do you have confidence that you know this is a massive opportunity? I think many of us, and I, you know, I voted out. I voted out on the basis that almost solely on the well political control and, and the CAP, which has just been a disaster for all of us for so long. Yes, um, uh, and uh, and. Yeah, there is this huge opportunity. So, yeah, this public goods agenda, whatever you want to call it, but a yes. farming different yes. way, doing really what you're doing with the CRT, but doing it with state money rather than, oh, rather absolutely. than other money. Do you, do you have confidence that, 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 that we're going to get the right policies and they're going to be delivered in the right way? Um, do I think we'll get the right policies? I thought Mr Gove, who took a lot of praise from a lot of people, was an absolute disaster. I thought he was playing up to the extreme green lobby and some of the things he did was ab absolute nonsense. The circus ban, uh, 
I don't go to circuses. I've got no interest in circuses. Uh, but the the vets have said there was absolutely no problem about circus animals, whether they were allegedly wild or not a problem. But he wanted those greenies um, on his side and he did a number of things which were just absolutely stupid and playing up to the green lobby. Uh, the big question now is, is Teresa Villas going to play up to the, the, the silly green lobby, the wildlife wallpaper lobby? Well, it's slightly worrying, isn't it, Robin, that yeah. you know, you've got someone who has certainly been very closely connected to the sort of strange things like Conservative Animal Welfare Foundation, which is a league in school sports creation. I know you're quite close to Zach, or have been, to Zach yes. Goldsmith. Um, yes. But there's a clear agenda there, and Zach moved a lot, you know, Zach's moved, I think, from, from a place which many of us would have been, you know, described as, you know, uh, as challenging but positive, to embracing, again, some quite silly stuff. I mean, you talked about the puffins earlier. Who, whose quote was all over the puffin story? Zach. Zach. Uh, Zach is a very good man. Um, I have a lot of time for him. He's a good friend. He's been very loyal to the CRT and to me personally. Uh, he's in a very difficult spot. Richmond is the middle of of Bunny Hugger Land, and, and he's surrounded by Remainers, and and I can only describe it as the Packham fallout, um, and and so he's in a difficult place, and and certainly I think uh, he's been influenced. Um, but I think he can be pulled back with reality. Um, I saw his farm on the edge of Dartmoor when he was doing that. Um, what an incredibly good place. And and he, he understood and enjoyed uh, the rural communities around Dartmoor. And so almost certainly he'd have gone to hunt suppers um, he would have seen hunts, he would have appreciated how important they all were, uh, etc. Now, I, I think Richmond is a different uh, kettle of fish. Um, you know, the place I never want to go to ever again is Twickenham. Twickenham is, is a stronghold um, for drunken estate agents. And so I think a lot of politicians have a real problem with estate agents who like rugby and watch Country File. And so to, to get elected as a Tory, you, you have this block of dead brain that you've got to... Got to um, yeah, you see, it's interesting, right? and we're a bit off topic, but we, when, we, when we poll, when we do research... We ask people, yeah, you know, what issues are worrying them, what issues have changed their vote. Nobody ever mentions badger culling, hunting. Literally, nobody ever mentions it spontaneously. When you compare it, we did one last, just before the last election. We asked a load of issues. You know, which of these issues are most important to your vote? You know, um, yeah, NHS and Brexit, obviously, but wind farms, HS two, um, you know, a whole load of issues. Hunt, you know, there was only one thing which was marginally less 
effect, you know, had less impact than hunting, and that was badger culling. You know, people are far more worried about wind farms and HS2 than they are. Yet, yet we know that these politicians persuade themselves because people can send a couple. And you know, someone like Zach is a sensible person. All those London MPs, they're, they're relatively sensible people. Why is it that these, these weird animal welfare issues, they can persuade themselves against all the evidence that they actually matter to people when, when they don't? I think there's, there, there, there are a few high-profile um, uh, bunny huggers and you know who they are. Uh, uh, Wild Justice PLC. Uh, and they are very good at media manipulation and, and, and issues uh, that are comparatively unimportant uh, become headline news. Uh, Packham's only got a cough and that cough is on the Today programme. It, it's uh, it, and he has an opportunity to parade himself and his views for hours on end, um, breaking all the editorial guidelines of the BBC. And I think it's absolutely outrageous. And I'm saying this with a chip on each shoulder. Yeah, to balanced, make what I say balanced. That uh, when I was doing one man and his dog, I was sacked because of my other activities. Uh, and uh, some BBC executive said this quite openly. Uh, they would never, uh, they would never commit it to paper, of course. And uh, and my other activities were the countryside marches. Uh, which I'm proud to have supported because it was about rural culture. Um, and I was uh, on the council of the referendum party, going to meetings and uh, sitting between Jimmy Goldsmith and John Aspinall. Uh, and uh, my mother was a good Baptist. If she'd realised, she'd have been absolutely appalled. Um, but I found them extremely interesting, extremely um, uh, driven individuals. I I would have never uh, said, please, uh, Jimmy, or or please, Aspers, would you teach me how to play poker? <laughs> because they would have. Um, I don't think you'd be a good poker player, Robin. I don't think your poker face. I mean, you have many, many skills you have, and I think your poker face would, I don't, would be brilliant. I don't think I would play poker at all, because uh, they tell me uh, that the secret is it's, it's to do with a good memory, and if you've got a good memory, um, you will win at, at poker. And I used to know uh, an ex-gambler who had a good memory, and in his gambling days, he went to Bedford every Friday night and uh, relieved the Italian brickmakers of their <laughs> week's wages. The Lord then came into his life and he switched to the become a, a Italian minister. Italian brickmakers were better off. Yeah. Yes, and, and he switched his attention um, to the Lord and to the antique shop that he'd bought with all the money he'd made. <laughs> so he still profited from it. Uh, yes, and so, you know. Yeah. Um, 
Oh no, going back to the book. I think it's the end of the thirty. I've, I've, it's in the car. I've left it there. It's silly of me. I think it's the end of the thirty uh, chapter. You make a um, a point about the difference between the, the your standard the stand your standard of life has gone up, but your you use uh, but but I can't yeah, standard of living has gone right. up. Quality, quality of life, life gone, has gone down. down. Yeah, and and uh, I feel very very strongly uh, with this. Uh, I've never been driven. Uh, by money, uh, and and it is quality of life. My quality of life has been ruined by the uh, a, a traffic increase, by the housing increase which is coming towards us, and and there are so many rural populations all over the country. Uh, who find huge swathes of housing suddenly there with no historical reason, uh, no real economic reason, and no geographical reason, which are the normal reasons that villages and towns actually developed. And so there are swathes of housing with no real connection apart from some little um, uh, keyboard jockey uh, in London saying, you've got to have a development plan, you need 20,000 houses, you've got to provide them, or we cut off your money. When I was a district council, uh, for nearly 40 years, I said to South Cambridgeshire District Council, we've got to fight this. We've got to say we're not going to do the development plan. And so they would then have to take those responsibilities away from us. And we would then say, where is the democracy in this? Yeah, at least you made but, your point. But yeah. they wouldn't do it. They, they wouldn't do it. And I, I said, what is the point of staying on a council um, that just does what it's told by central government? And that is why I stopped being a district councillor. Um, yeah, that lovely line you have in the first one, which I, which I'm too stupid to think of, but you you nailed it when you when you said when you said that phrase. I think it's in the forty five year chapter when that phrase of oh, we're, we're building communities, and you just you can't you build, can't you can't. Yes. And it just Precisely. struck me there. You you're as usual uh, well ahead of the thing. I'm going to nick that if that's all right. Yes, <laughs> yes no. I use that. How it's do you absolute build nonsense. The yeah. idea, you know, a community that they are by definition self created, and you yes. can't make them. Yeah. you certainly can't yes. build them with bricks and mortar. Yeah. Um, um, over some of the really horrendous building that's going on, if you want to see any, I'll take you to. Um, it's got the new community. Sorry, there's no such thing. Yeah, well, they're doing, we're getting. I mean, I, I, we're just outside Bishop Stortford, and which you'll zoom past on the M11 from time to time, and they're building six thousand houses on our just on our side. Of, thankfully, we're far enough out, but yeah, it's the same thing. You know, there, there's that community line and all the PR and the fluff and the faff and everything else. It's yeah, just, just utter nonsense. Um, I I will give no names, so you will never know who shoot I went on. Um, but Lulu and I went as beaters on a shoot somewhere in England and um, uh, we went into a village where they'd got a huge block Um, no gardens no nothing as you'd expect 
And so we beaters were taking pride in looking like beaters. In other words, graphic. as this is, this is the peasantry of England still alive and well. And a car just stopped up near us and started saying, you cruel fuckers, you... And we thought, what does this man know about what we're doing and why? And what can he tell us about beating? What can he tell us about shooting? Yeah, we could hear the M11 out of your door and things have changed. But, my, you know, we, as I said, we've driven up through Essex and Cambridgeshire. They are little villages... Yeah, almost entirely now. We haven't got a single farmer in our parish. Not one. Um, yeah, they're people... Yeah, all, all the two big land blocks are uh, on farm business tenancies. And nearly everyone in the village, like you, like Barton, yeah, there's very few... My wife's family are from the village where we live there. Probably the posher end. I don't think I can claim peasantry. <laughs> they yes, were the posher yes. end. And I, had to, I was farming in Devon and we, we moved there because yeah, I got to commute to London and all the rest of yeah. it. And it's commuted territory. Well, you see, I can pull something out of the hat as I did and my grandma, grandfather left the, his village school at 11 or 12 and became a shepherd boy but um, he then went and did uh, an apprenticeship at a butcher's and ended up with a factory and several, yep. and several shops yeah. um, and uh, and yeah. so that is proper peasant <laughs> background. But there's not many of you left in the village. Your whole point is, isn't it, that there's not yes. many of you left in the village. And there are, no. they're, they're very few they're left in ours. But, yes. but yeah, you're saying that the beaters, we still got two shoots. People get involved, the hounds still meet in the village. We, we yeah. don't go on about it. Well, I mean, we're open about yeah. it. The, the trust farm here has one shoot a year with wild birds. Yeah. And we have a variety of people who come beating once a year, thoroughly enjoy it. But as I say, so most of the, I mean, yeah. for, for us, certainly, most of the people who move in, nearly all of them, the vast majority, are yes. all, yeah, they're, they're not against this stuff. Yes. You know, they're not against what yeah. It's just the fact that there's no, that our life is sort of almost subsumed by this this sort of commuter thing that goes on the top. And if, yes. you've got a, if you've got a school and good schools, which we have, and you still have that, and a church and a pub, yeah. sport but we'll come back to that um, yes. then you still have that community and it is a real community yes. even though it's different it's very different yes. from your community yes. it's, it is, it's sort of self-created and if I'm being optimistic if we can get the if the sort of work you're doing with CRT which is spreading I see a lot in when I you know I read about beeswax you know, yes you yes know, you know, you, what you've done is it's quite clearly influenced what's yeah, you know, what Dyson's doing with beeswax and these other a lot of these other big operators. They'll never, you know, perhaps shout it from the rooftops or, or Do you know what his head man is like? Is he is he good, bad or indifferent? I don't know. I've just followed his stuff on Twitter and Is his name know, Thompson? Something like that. I mean yeah. I think it's very positive on the whole. I mean I think that Yes. Um you know, there's something slightly odd about yeah. You know, so just buying up vast chunks of England. And I think the inheritance tax thing, again, is... Yeah, yeah. Well, some, that's going to... If Mr Corbyn ever yes, walks into number 10, if there's one really obvious... I mean, to go I, I see beeswax often, often um, reads my tweets, often yeah. agrees with my yeah. tweets. And strangely enough, I've been thinking, I should get hold of this man yeah. to talk about his boss uh, and to see if... Um, 
uh, we can leave uh, some interest into him. Absolutely. I mean, I think, I, I think even what they're doing now, it's quite clear the influence of you, know, the yeah. sort of thing you're doing. Yeah. I you're probably like in, in what they're doing, and and I've got a, you know, one of the great bees in my bonnet is the fact that you know that we all we talk about you know, people like Zach sometimes talking yeah. about high welfare standards and higher environmental standards. Well, to have high welfare standards and higher environmental standards, you need cash. Why is yeah. that? You know, you talked about Zach's farm on Dartmoor. Yeah. Well, we all know why Zach's farm is good because yeah. he's got loads of cash. Yeah. And you know, the issue is, you know, when I go into Mid Wales or you're in the in the lakes and these boys are really struggling they you know, are. Um, you know, they are. then you cannot expect them to, to oh you know you know <laughs> and, like, the, and to me one of the biggest pluses of of brexit is is to get back to local slaughterhouses uh, because they were all closed down by the eu yeah. not all but obviously a lot and a bit of gold plating to go yeah with, and um uh, we want local slaughterhouses, and 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 that would take out a huge welfare issue, which I can't come to terms with when they when they go hundreds of miles in these huge bloody cattle lorries, sheep lorries. I think it is absolutely disgusting, uh, and and it goes back to a, a very good friendship I had with Miriam Rothschild. Um, who people say, oh, she was vegetarian, you know. She wasn't. She she um, stopped eating meat because she didn't agree with the way they were slaughtered. And I'm very near there because I've got, I've got 12 fat red pole cattle that really need slaughtering, but I don't want them to go to a big industrial mm-hmm. slaughterhouse. So where 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 have you got round here? Nowhere. Um, They've got to go. Uh, these would have to go to Bedford, but because I'm not uh, assured or I'm not in any of these schemes. fancy schemes, um, they would probably have to go to Melton Mowbray. Um, where you would get nice people shouting at them as they they go past in the lorry, mm. and um, I'd rather see them out. I'd rather see them out in the field. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I got a, I got a problem with those. Um. I got too many sheep as well. Well, I get over that by giving them to my stepson. Right. And say, there you are. You can have these. Look, <laughs> can be on your conscience. Yeah. Okay. Well, if we're not gonna, if we're not gonna get to pure blind optimism about the forty five. At least, could we? I mean, would you? There is a, a note of optimism in in what you what you've written in the in the forty five year forty five years later. I think more than that. Can I tell you the key? Yeah. Which I didn't. Um. Didn't. I've got another book coming out next year right. where I shall go into into some of the farming issues which, which are very important. I, 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 there was a very, very nice man called Mr Blair who said he was going to break the arm lock of the supermarkets in price. Of course, like so many of his promises, uh, it was completely shallow, that one. Uh, and he wouldn't know. He was too busy looking at his lovely new green wellies when he said that, and he was wearing on that day. 
Um, and so uh, I, I believe, and you will probably be appalled, uh, that there should be a government intervention on food prices through DEFRA. And so just as the Milk Marketing Board uh, used to dictate the price of milk, I believe we should have have a body um, dictating um, uh, uh, agricultural prices in some way. Uh, and of course this flies in the face of the futures market and every market you can think of. Well, I think if we if we get no deal, I mean, all the chat yeah. is that we're going to get intervention. I mean, I think there's yes. especially in the sheep market. Um, yes, you know, and, otherwise we're going to have a, an utter disaster. And, and so I so think we need government activity in the free market, which isn't free, because if you want a free market, you have a willing buyer and a willing seller, and at the moment we've got a greedy buyer and an unwilling seller. But is there, is there perhaps another way of doing that? And I think, I mean, with a discussion over this horrible word, public goods, which I don't know, I don't know the phrase public goods, but now we... Better. Well, that comes from, that, that comes from the London... London. Yeah, in the London centre, yeah. Yeah. Sack. Um, <laughs> go. But, but yeah, I was really, when, when I came to see you last time here, I was, um, it's really stuck with me, your, your tenancies. And you've got the conservation tenancy and you're charging, what, two-thirds or 75% of what it would be normally. I was just coming to yeah. that. But you are, you are essentially, you know, you, you at, at the CRT level, at your tiny little level, yes. are, have been doing for years what the government yeah. is now talking about doing you know, yeah. on, a, on a national scale. Yes. And is, is, it, is, you know, could it be, is there an alternative to intervention, which... I don't know if we argue the point, but I think, but you know, I think you'd agree that in terms of political reality, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, um, yeah. Is yeah, the alternative to difficult. pay pay people in the, in the right way for the way they farm, so that yes. Yes. you're essentially subsidising their production through that yes. through that purpose and yeah, you know, the intervention mm. the rest of it. And that's what you've been doing. as far as the I, I would rather actually tell landowners if somebody's farming in this way, you can't charge them that rent that you've been charging them. But of course, a lot of people would squeal. But well, you can at least say you're not, because at the moment we're yeah. handing them out. You know, you know, as as we, as I drive up here, you know, everyone's getting a single farm payment, yeah. even if they're farming, you know, a five hundred acre arable wasteland, absolutely. and they're doing absolutely nothing. So yes. that's the lever, isn't it? That's yes. the lever we've yes. got. Yes, um, got it. Got to be done. Yeah. Um, yeah. See, I'm trying to introduce optimism. <laughs> I don't know whether we go. Well, and, we go. and the thing I what I want uh, I work. I should be writing about is there is more crap written about um, I've got to got to get my brain in gear um, rewilding oh, don't, I'll shiver then, uh, <laughs> and and they all say well have you been to Nep Castle uh, yes I have very nice. Uh, I I like Charlie very yeah, much. So I. Um, uh, I I liked Isabella Tree very much. I I I did like Netcastle. The only thing I can say is, it 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 is not rewilding. It is extensive farming. 
And also, Robin, he's done an extraordinary deal, 25-year yeah. deal, where he's getting paid an absolute wadge of cash. Yeah. He's in Sussex, where he's, yeah. you know, he's turfed yeah. all those farms. Well, he hasn't, but all the farms, you know, the dairy farms and all the rest yeah. have gone out. So he's letting those houses. He's turned them into industrial units. It's massively subsidised. That's not replicable on any scale at all. No. You know, you could, if we tried to do that across the whole country, we would take up the entire, you know, the treasury yeah. wouldn't have any money for hospitals. I mean, yeah, just... and he's making, uh, he's making a pile out of selling his meat. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's 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 very good marketing, very good business, yeah. tripping over the cash, but it, it's not feasible and well, it isn't. And he admits it. And Charlie's very honest. I've debated him you know, about it. Yeah. He admits that you know if every farm in Sussex did what he was doing, he would. You know, it just wouldn't work. It couldn't and, work. And the other important thing is that you know uh, we're not Yellowstone. We're overcrowded England. And and we're only producing, some people say, 60% of our food. I would say between 45 and 50% of our food. We have to produce food, so we should wild farm, as the CRT do, yes. CRT do. And we produce wildlife, and we produce quality food, and it could be done over the whole country and it could transform uh, the quality of both food and wildlife. We have 26 varieties of, of butterflies here, which is astonishing. So you've been rewilding arable, uh, you know, arable monoculture for how many years? Sorry, we, don't, how many years? we don't rewild. I know, we we wild farming. <laughs> but you have in every, in, in every bit as much as anyone. Any of oh, yes. They yeah. How old is CRT 25? 26, 26 this year. 26 years. On 26. the 16th of yeah. July. You've been wilding. So we've settled we, wilding. We've been wild wilding, farming. We've been wild farming and wilding. The, yes. You know, the over 26 years we don't before people... Wild. We don't uh, We don't want... We are fierce. Well, we can flood the fans. Well, I, always, I do ask that yeah. often, you know, because obviously the fans would have been the... Yeah, you know, there were more more bird life in the fence anywhere else in Britain, so we could just simply, you know, knock all the you know, go to block Wick views and, and go to Wickham Fen is the oldest nature reserve in Britain, mm. and and see uh, the most badly managed um, uh, nature reserve in Britain, uh, and then you go to uh, Kingfisher Bridge, which is across the way. And and you will see a private reserve where they control predators, uh, and and you can look at Wiccan Fen, and you sh they should be having cranes, they should be having a bitterns, they should be having cuckoos. They sh they've got a few cuckoos, but they're going down. They should be having more. But they've got mink, they've got foxes, they've got crows. And, and I overstayed my welcome on the Council of the National Trust. It was a shambles. Um, nearly all the... the a, at, a, at a council meeting of the National Trust, most people weren't interested uh, in, in wildlife and what was going on at the National Trust, they were more interested in the organic sandwiches they were going to get at lunchtime. Uh, and it was almost a social occasion. Oh, we're going to the Council of the National Trust, you know. Oh, we are. We're on the National Trust, yes. 
Wickham Fen is an absolute disgrace and they're enlarging it mm. and it's a refu refuge for old mink. I think that's as good a time as any to end our conversation. Uh, Robin's never short of an opinion and we've heard lots of them over the last 45 minutes. I hope you've enjoyed them. I certainly always enjoy talking to Robin. Um, he is an extraordinary man and, and I'd urge you to read his book, Decline of an English Village, which is just as relevant now as it was 45 years ago when he first wrote it. And also to look at the work of the Countryside Restoration Trust, which he set up. Um, it's done a huge amount over the last 26 years, was well ahead of its time uh, and has certainly um, achieved at a practical level um, more than most of the organisations who uh, give themselves profile. So thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this, this podcast and that you'll tune in to the next Countryside Alliance podcast. <laughs>